0: Welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. I am trying again because as soon as, as soon as I started recording, um, Neville came over and started chewing on his chew toy as just loudly as humanly possible. So we're trying again in a different room with hopefully no sound interruptions. <laughs> okay, so what I want to talk about today is intimacy. And before you're like, oh my god, I do not want to talk about sex anymore. I get it and we are not talking about sex at all. This is a no pitch, no big deal. Um, I want to talk about this in a really deep way. And I want you to let your guard down so you aren't like just waiting for. Um, and then I tell you about a program or like there, there, there isn't. Um, and sometimes that's very necessary. That's what keeps the podcast going. Um, and sometimes I don't want you to feel like, oh, God, there's always something. Uh, no, there isn't. I am going to say that if you enjoy this, you can tip at kristenkelp.com slash podcast, and five bucks is a really fucking great way to let me know that you appreciate this. And that's it. That's the big pitch. So intimacy and the case for it. Here it is. Intimacy is vulnerable, of course, and countercultural, deeply intuitive, and so, so risky. I would argue that it's being stamped out of our minds and our hearts and our culture via pseudo-intimacy in social media. through ads and marketing and the news, right? It seems like everywhere, everything and every product point to intimacy. Like our Starbucks will help our love life. Our meal delivery service will make us feel more connected as a family. Our KY will help us have better sex. That in every aspect of our lives, it's not okay to simply be with a person or be with an experience. You also need this optimum product to experience intimacy, And very few of those products, in fact, probably none of them, are capable of giving you what you seek. As humans, we are allegedly more connected than ever via our devices, but that connection is often whittled down to photos of sandwiches and lunches and cute dogs and hating the same political candidates, not about noticing the tilt of our hearts toward the same distant moon. That's why I wanted to talk about intimacy that goes far beyond the sexual. That's actually a very narrow definition of intimacy to encompass the deeply connected experience of humans being alive in tight emotional spaces. I argue that we can all use more intimacy in our lives. If you're like, what the hell would that look or feel like? And what should we look out for? And how would we begin to cultivate that? It's like I knew that's, it's like, that's this whole podcast. (laughs) So first a poem and then the tangibles. And in case you're like, oh, sharing poems seems so easy for her. No, no, it's not. It's terrifying, just for the record. Okay, here we go. Intimacy looks like walking into the middle of a room and stripping to the bone, knowing it is not entirely safe, dancing and dancing and dancing anyway. She is the particular frequency you cannot hear by accident only by turning over stones and logs and hearts for all your life. And even then, intimacy does not owe you anything, least of all forever, and makes herself known in pockets of light. Within, without, your heart is a goddamn meadow. Intimacy allows for the give and take, not only the one or the other, and makes room for growth even as she accepts everything you already are, have been, will be. Intimacy knows nothing of systems and strategy, only what works for you in this moment and this reality. Intimacy will shred you alive and stand over you, barely breathing, as she shows you how little is necessary to truly live. We're gonna tackle intimacy from three fronts. Uh, First, intimacy with others, and this is particular to business. This is the easiest one, actually which is that you do not owe anyone scalability. Scalability being, if something is good for one person, it's good for 10 people. If it's good for 10, it's good for 1,000. If it's good for 1,000, it's good for 10,000. If it's good for 10,000, it's good for a million, right? That if your business is good at X, 2X or 3X or 5X or 10X will just be better, that that is a logical fallacy that is not true and you do not owe anyone scalability. In my case, current trends say that I should take what I know and make a course, then sell that course to hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of people and make what they call passive income. They being the man, the other, the gurus of the age. I have an education degree. It makes sense for me to make a course, right? Except that breathing the same air together in a workshop or being together on a one-on-one call with a person can't possibly be the same as trying to connect deeply with thousands of people who are simultaneously paying you to teach them x even the thought of it is uncomfortable and strange like I can project to x thousand people but I do not have the bandwidth nor does any human for those x thousand people to project back to me in an intimate way I work with fewer than 50 people a year and that is exactly how I love my business most now, I'm happy for everyone to listen to the podcast, and part of what makes my work so gratifying is that the podcast is funded by the deep work that I do with a small handful of people. It is most definitely not scalable, and that is a big part of what I love about it. Scalability is the opposite of intimacy when you choose intimacy, you are often choosing 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 is the key word here not to serve thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, but a select few. Also, and against training, you are free to trade time for money via editing or massaging or writing or coaching or personal training, if that's the model you prefer. It's not wrong to work with people one at a time. Again, this is countercultural at the moment. Right now, it is all about launching, scaling, fake launching via evergreen products and rolling back to collect cash in your pajamas. But you don't have to do it that way. Further, you don't have to hire a team, take on an intern, or otherwise add people to your business if you don't want to or if it doesn't feel like the right time. And I'm not saying that from a, like, you definitely need people and you're just not willing to give up control. But from a, you don't, you're good you're good. And you don't need to hire people right now. That's okay. Bigger is not necessarily better. We often understand this intellectually, but it has a way of creeping into our hearts and shifting our dreams. In many cases, uh, particularly for women, this shows up as, uh, I'm just not, I need to play bigger. I'm just not dreaming big enough. The trouble is, and this is where we need to make a distinction, dream bigger, quote unquote, often means strip this of all intimacy in order to make more money. And that causes those of us who value intimacy to bulk. Like, dream bigger means that instead of working with three people, I work with 300 people. But I can't be intimate with 300 people simultaneously. I cannot know the names of 300 people's children and their problems and their worries and their struggles and their fears and their... I can't. I simply can't have that be a two-way street. We humans max out at about 100 people in terms of how many intimate... Um, relationships or connections we can have at a time. If intimacy is one of your values too, hopefully this puts language to why you cannot bring yourself to listen to one more white guru person telling you how easy it would be to sell seminars and downloads and trainings and courses and build out a bajillion dollar business. You do not have to build passive income streams like soulless little pets who don't require any care but just go around and gather money. I've gone down that path and I felt absolutely nothing. It was really strange. I've watched my bank account get bigger and bigger while feeling no more connected to myself, my business, or those buying from me. It actually can trigger a massive depression when you get the thing that everyone says that you should want and it does nothing for you. It was fucking awful and I don't recommend it. So that's one. Fuck scalability. Fuck scalability. Two is intimacy with yourself, which I advocate first and foremost. Uh, Brian Andreas says the first intimacy is with yourself. I couldn't agree more. One of the ways that you can be intimate with yourself is by knowing and claiming your joy. And you do not have to monetize your joy. Joy as a feeling is deeply intimate. It is an experience you share with your soul. And that's not something that always translates well to the very limited confines of capitalism. Sometimes monetizing your joy makes perfect sense. You want to be a writer, so you find ways to get paid to write. But sometimes, and this has happened to me, one of the things you love most does not want to become an income stream. I do not want to be a sex coach. There is a reason I send you to Kim and Nami. I do not want to be thinking about which part of the course should this be in while I am engaged in a sex act. That is not fucking happening. Uh, likewise, I do not want to uh, sell my paintings. Like Occasionally, one of them will be like, sure, you can sell me. But in no circumstances do I want to be a person who is trying to sell paintings as my primary source of income, even though I love it. That's because you can't always monetize your joy. Admitting when this is true allows a hobby to be a hobby and a job to be a job, which is a necessary and life-giving distinction. This also means you don't have to listen to those people telling you to make your hobby into a career, quote unquote, because you're so good at it. If doing so feels awful, even if it makes logical sense, even if you need the money. Some people are really, really good at writing and should absolutely become paid full-time professional writers. Some people are really, really good at writing and trying to do it for money will crush their creativity and kill their work. To put it another way, Joy is a precious resource. Monetizing that joy could very well ruin it for a little or a long while. Only you can distinguish between what should and shouldn't be monetized. And you can only do that by listening to the voices deepest within you. Which brings us to our third point, intimacy with your own talents. Every project will tell you what it wants to be if you listen close enough. Also closely enough because grammar. I know that sounds a little crazy, but we are so far past crazy at this point that I am not hesitating to share that with you. Every project has its own agenda, and those agendas often have very little to do with what you want or with what the dominant six-figure, seven-module, four-step, whatever it is, blueprint has to provide. Even in writing, it's clear to me that some of what I write wants to be a poem, some wants to be a podcast, some wants to be a letter. Some, some of it wants to be private, to be written and then deleted, or to be stitched together into, the, into a book. Some uh, want worksheets, and some run screaming from worksheets. Some of what I write wants to be shared, and others of what I write want to be held close to the heart. Like, they are just for me. Uh, the upcoming voice workshop, which... Um, this is being released on one of the days of the workshop, has been really difficult to pin down, even though it came to me in a spectacular flurry of notes. I lost those notes and then spent months trying to recall what was in them instead of asking how voice wanted to be in the world. So I just got fixated on those seven worksheets. That was exactly it. It can't ever deviate from that. That's what it wanted to be instead of... um, what do, you, what do you want to be right now? Maybe that was just how you got me to sign up to sell the thing and now you want to be something different. Even like, And I can still deliver on all the deliverables listed in a different way. There are many ways to get to X that I promised these people. The answer that came to me is, oddly enough, a bunch of experiences and one long continuous presentation that I can jump out of and back into at a moment's notice through the two days of teaching. So normally it's this very st- succinct um, There are five lectures. They are each exactly 32.7 minutes long, and I can tell you exactly what time they happen, and that is not what this wants. Have I ever done that before? No. Is that exactly what voice wants when I listen closely? Yep. If you treat each project as a living entity, a la Liz Gilbert's Big Magic, which is a book you should buy, um, you are much more likely to both love what you make and to keep on making it for a long time. You might come up with something weird, or your whole workshop might demand to be one long continuous keynote presentation, or a film, or a series of questions, or a stand-up special with bits about everything you love. That's good listening, and that's the work only you can do. To recap, you can actively grow your intimacy with others through refusing scalability for scalability's sake. And please be very clear, I'm not against scalability. I am against scalability for scalability's sake because someone else says that's what you should do, so you do it. Uh, Through intimacy with yourself, through careful consideration of monetizing joy, and through intimacy with your own talents and projects through frequent communication with them. All three will lead you to a more deeply fulfilled life and business. I promise you that. If you'd like some questions to help you draw out intimacy in your business at the moment, here we go. You know I do questions and I do them really well. Uh, Where can you think smaller and more intimately about being in business? So this is not about scaling back from your enough number. This is about um, what if instead of aiming to have 57, you aim to have 4 because that's enough and 57 is an arbitrary more. Does that make sense? Where have you fallen for the step-by-step bigger is better so let's scale this shit methodology? It often is a project that just feels wrong or off or that completely failed and you can't figure out why. Where can you refuse to monetize your joy or to go against your inner wisdom? Again, sometimes monetizing your joy is fantastic. And sometimes it goes against everything in your body, everything in your soul, everything within you. So where can you refuse to go against your inner wisdom when it comes to joy and monetizing it? Which parts of your work do not want to be monetized at the moment? Which parts absolutely do? And that will often be quite scary when the ones that want to show up and say so. Which project can you bring into the world on its terms or revise to be closer to what it would like in this moment? Which is a strange sentence, but if you think of there's this project and it it feels like odd or like you're wrestling with it or it's just so hard or it's challenging or it's complicated, can you just ask it like what would you like to be? It doesn't matter what I want. I don't want to make a long keynote presentation that I drop into and out of with experiences in between. And that's what you want. So I'm not going to fight that. That's what we're going to do. Which project is very clear about what it wants, but you've been ignoring it because it's too weird, too awesome, too hard, too tricky, too cheap, too, too something. You've been ignoring exactly what it wants and it's being very clear and communicating with you. And can you give it that? Can you give it a listen and then do what it wants? I hope those questions take you to rad, previously unknown places within yourself. And if you want to talk to me, I am K at kristenkelp. You can hit the contact form at kristenkelp. You can generally just say hey on Instagram, slide into my DMs. I'm K K-A-L-P. Or if you want to leave a tip, five bucks is a great way to say, hey, thanks for doing this week after week for years on end at kristenkelp.comslash podcast. And now, one more time with a hopefully slightly different view of intimacy. Intimacy looks like walking into the middle of a room and stripping to the bone, knowing it is not entirely safe, dancing and dancing and dancing anyway. She is the particular frequency you cannot hear by accident only by turning over stones and logs and hearts for all your life. And even then, intimacy does not owe you anything, least of all forever, and makes herself known in pockets of light. Within, without, your heart is a goddamn meadow. Intimacy allows for the give and take, not only the one or the other, and makes room for growth even as she accepts everything you already are, have been, will be. Intimacy knows nothing of systems and strategy, only what works for you in this moment and this reality. Intimacy will shred you alive and stand over you, barely breathing, as she shows you how little is necessary to truly live. Thank you so much for listening. Again, please just reach out and say hey, kristenkelp.com, and I will see you next week.